I don't really think I had like a prayer in words. It was more just like this surrender, kind of just um, as a child who's just agitated or um, having a meltdown, you know, and then they just come into their mother's arms and kind of just, ah. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for IamHere.org. And I'm Father Mario Amori, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome Alejandra Correa Miller to share her story. Welcome, Alejandra. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. Um, so just to get to know you a little bit more for our listeners to get to know you, can you share um, what parish do you belong to here in Detroit? So I belong to Holy Family in Detroit. Beautiful. It's the Italian parish. That is, yes. Beautiful church. I was just there the other day. It is. A lot of history there. Yes. And then um, just tell us about uh, your, your home life, okay. work that you do. Okay. So um, I'm married to my husband, David, for almost 11 years. We have three children. Our oldest is Max, who's 10. Nicholas is eight. And Jacinta, our little spark plug, fiery little redhead, (laughs) um, is four. Beautiful. Yeah. And um, what I do is my husband and I, um, about five years ago, we launched this crazy idea of opening a, a local high school. And so in 2020, we opened the doors to Chesterton Academy of Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's a classical high school, and um, we just uh, put Christ at the center and, you know, hope to teach them that to be Catholic is to be joyful. So that's our mission. Yeah. I love it. And so, I mean, with with that kind of line of work, it's very clear that your your faith is a really big part of your life today, that you would kind of dedicate yourself to that. Um, But... In your story that you've shared with us on I Am Here, you mentioned that that's, that wasn't always the case. Um, can can we kind of get into what your faith journey has looked like, and particularly in young adulthood, um, what that that journey, how that unfolded for you? Sure. So um, I grew up uh, in a Hispanic family. I'm originally from Chile, was born there, and um, grew up in Miami. And, you know, the faith was just kind of something that just was. Never really understood it. wasn't very catechized. But we went to Mass every Sunday, and that was that. So I grew up, I I got my, you know, I received my sacraments. But then in my late teens, I kind of just said, well, what is this all for? And decided, you know, I didn't, it wasn't necessary in my life. So from that point on um, into my 20s, I kind of flip-flopped back and forth. You know, when I needed God, I went to Mass. When (laughs) I was doing all right, I kind of uh, forgot about Him until one day, really, October 20th of, um, I think it was not too long ago, 20, I mean, sorry, 2002, I just had this moment where I felt so empty. Mm -hmm. I was living life, you know, according to my will and what I wanted and desired. And, you know, what do we know in our 20s? And um, I just realized that I needed something more. And I wasn't really the person, I knew deep down inside, I wasn't the person I was supposed to be. And it was really just this audible prayer of, Lord, you know, um, help me. You know, it was a slow progression, but the Lord started to work his His um, graces in my life. And I started to go back to church, started go, to go back to my, the parish that we had gone to before. And um, 
in one particular moment on that day, I just felt that I needed to go to confession. Hmm. Um, went, walked into this chapel. I hadn't been to confession in a very, very long time. And uh, as the last person walked out of the confessional, I said, okay, well, this is the moment. And um, I walked into the confessional very nervous, um, really not wanting to be there. And this is the moment that really transformed my life because as I sat in the confessional, um, it was one of those face-to-face, there was no screen. Um, I remember just thinking, okay, I said to the priest, you gotta walk me through this. I haven't done this in a long time. And he started to kind of guide me. And as I started to confess my sins, um, just I began to weep. And with every sin I confessed, I, I wept more. And I was so ashamed. I was letting go of all this shame. And at one point, I felt this nudge from now knowing the Holy Spirit to look up. I kept hearing that, look up, look up. Um, of course, I didn't want to look at the priest, you know, because I was so ashamed of all the things that I had done. And when I did, I finally looked up, I saw him weeping Mm -hmm. as well. And that moment was the moment that I knew I had met Jesus Christ, you know. Um, Now having studied theology, I know in persona Christi, I really loved that moment where it was no longer Father Albert who was sitting before me, but Jesus Christ himself. And since then I've never looked back. I, I just knew that I could not live without the Lord. I could not live without the sacraments, especially, um, of course, the Eucharist became the center of my life. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. When you were growing up, um, so you had this profound moment, you know, and and you had your, you just knew in your heart that it was, it was your faith that you could kind of fall back on and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the the Lord is is always there uh, walking with us and and, and he's waiting for for those moments where we, we finally realize that just what a relationship with him looks like and um, and just the the necessity of that relationship in our own lives. Can you tell us a little bit about, though, kind of how your parents helped mm-hmm. to, to form you in the practice of the faith to, to sure. get you to that place? Because right. that's a gift, to be able to, to mm-hmm. know that the Lord is near mm-hmm. um, uh, and just to be able, yeah, yeah, to, to go back to that place when mm-hmm. when times of difficulties arise. I think that I had um, a not very common upbringing with the faith in the sense that it came in particular through my father. And now knowing some of the statistics out there, like 70% or children who receive the faith directly from the father end up you know, practicing the faith more. My mother was more removed from the faith. Um, she did come back to the church later, but it was every Sunday my father would take us to mass. Um, and I, I think, you know, looking back and kind of analyzing everything, as Hispanics and like many Latin cultures, the faith is just ingrained. It's very cultural and you just go because that's just what you do. Um, but I will say that my father was the example of going faithfully every single mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, we never did pray as a family, but, you know, I was sent to catechism and looking back, of course, you're like, well, it wasn't the best catechism. But I think what really formed me to come back with the seed that was planted is that God was a part of our lives, whether mm-hmm. cultural or not, that we did go to mass, that we um, as a family loved each other no matter what. And I think, you know, as parents, we look back, we, we say, okay, we have to do all these things in order to instill the faith, faith. But really, 
I think in general, just loving our children and being loved by my parents and knowing that I can count on them for anything. And, and they did speak of God. They always said, well, God will pull you through. And, you know, and although I didn't ever see them pray, I knew that they were prayerful people. And I just recently lost my father. And I, I tell you that I knew for a fact that he had given me such a, a huge gift, you know, and um, it, it's just been such a blessing to recall all that and to know that, yeah, it's it's really um, without them and without their example, whether yeah. it was direct or indirect, um, it really changed my life. I think it's so beautiful. We've done several of these interviews now, and um, a common theme is is parents, but even even uh, more profound, I guess, is the the impact that the father has. Mm-hmm on the faith life of so many of those that we have interviewed. It's one here to, it's one thing to hear the statistics and to say the statistics in the homily um, or in, in other conversation, but it's, it's quite another to see how that comes to life, you know, to hear those stories. And, and it doesn't mean, obviously, that a mother is not important right. in, in the faith life of, of her children. She is. Um, but but just just how essential the role of dad is uh, to help bring the kids up in the practice of the faith and and to show just how important uh, faith and belief in God is for for his children. Even when it's simple, right. you know, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Right. It's such a gift that you received to have those seeds planted, you know, and then all these years later, see those seeds, you know, blossom into mm-hmm. this beautiful life of faith. Um, but I want to go to that moment where you did kind of respond to that desire to, you know, be in union with God. And um, you remember the date, you remember mm-hmm. you, back to the moment. So can you take us back to that time? What was what was that experience like to know, I need to do something, so I'm just going to pray this prayer? What, what, were, what were you, you know, where were you? What was that like? What were yeah. you feeling, thinking? Yeah. What was that whole experience? Honestly, um, it was the most mundane thing, you know, I was just out shopping and like I said, the spirit just led me to to go back to my parish, to go back to confession. And from that point on, what was beautiful is the priest approached me afterwards and said, you know, if you ever want to talk. And again, it was this male figure that came into my life and kind of guided me. Um, And it was then that I started a journey in spiritual direction, which I had no idea what that was. Um, And basically it turned into these appointments where I would just go in and say, what about this? And why does the church teach this? And why did, you know, it was almost like this personal catechism, all the, that I had not received as far as like teaching, you know, direct teaching. And something again, kind of just changed in me where I thought I need to know more. I was, you know, slowly being catechized by this now friend priest, uh, Father Albert. But now there was this deep sense of like, I need to go further. Mm. I need to know the whys and um, really just uh, get to know my faith and the richness. And it was then that I fell in love with this dear Pope who um, just was so charismatic, even in this point of, you know, where he was so um, sick. Um, And that's when I returned back to Miami where I was living and I said, okay, I really want to study theology. Um, So slowly, uh, well, it wasn't so slow, but in in these two years, um, really my prayer was very simple is, Lord, your will be done. 
where my whole life I had been very afraid of, of praying that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what is the Lord's will? You know, <laughs> what is he going to do to me? Right. Kind of. But yeah. no, I, I really was just so surrendered to him. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And one thing you mentioned, and I'd love to know, you know, Father Albert's role in this, but, you know, that the Eucharist became very central to your faith life. Um, how did that unfold? Was it an instantaneous thing? Um, uh, how did your devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist become such a huge part of your life? In yes, it, it really did become the central point. Um, so Father Albert, within these meetings of uh, spiritual direction, said, you know, I want you to visit this chapel. Um, it was in this church called St. Thomas the Apostle. He says, I want you to go to this little chapel off the side of the main church and just go there and pray. And you'll see it's uh, Eucharistic adoration. Again, very uncatechized. Okay, you know, I said, well, sure. So I drove to the chapel, and it was interesting because a few years prior to that, I had worked at the school. It was a parish school um, just for a few months. Um, and I remember driving up to the chapel. I said, oh, I've been here before. I walk into the chapel, and it's as if I always relate it to St. Paul where the scales fell from my eyes. And I remember seeing the monstrance and the Eucharist and saying, oh my gosh, like literally, oh my God, this is you, you are Jesus. And going and kneeling down and remembering a few years prior being in that very same chapel with uh, all these teachers. It was like the first day where all the teachers met and we had a meeting. And I remember walking in there with all these teachers and everybody kneeling down and looking at this thing. And I had no idea what they were doing. I said, well, I just kind of copied them. I I knelt down. But I didn't know that they were praying to our Lord Jesus. Fast forward two years later, and here I am in the same chapel. And I knew. I knew who it was. It was Jesus Christ. And from that point, um, it was really Father Albert and that chapel. And no matter what, I would go there, whether it was, you know, to, to just pray because I was sad, because I was happy, something. It was just my, my compass. And I would go there almost on a daily basis at whatever time it was. It was your place where you found just a refuge yes. in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, whether it was two in the morning after hanging out with friends or in the <laughs> middle of the afternoon, it was my constant, you know. Jesus became my go-to um, to share everything with him. It was, yeah, it was wonderful. What would your, so you, you had two profound moments with the sacraments. Yes. Um, one being the sacrament of reconciliation and the other just in the presence of the blessed sacrament. Um, for for anyone who is hesitant about We'll start with confession. Sure. Hesitant about approaching confession. You know, uh, someone who who was in your shoes perhaps grew up in the faith, but um, maybe fell away and they're ready to come back, but still like (laughs) there's a lot of fear there. You know, it's just like, like, what do I say? What do I do? Um, And then just saying things to, to a person, really to Christ, but present there, but, but having to you know, pr- confess your sins, you know, t- talk about things that you maybe haven't talked with anyone about. Um, you know, they're, they're all very scary things, um, yes. but, but so, so uh, grace-filled. What would some ad- advice be to someone who, who might be in that situation? Well, that's a good question. And having taught 
um, high school theology, I I often came across this uh, very topic. So I would just say one of the things I've learned along the way is simplicity. Um, just be very simple. Um, oftentimes we think that, you know, confession is this big, you know, this big event, but really it's just sitting there and one by one confessing our sins, which is probably the hardest thing. Um, but I would say simplicity and just letting go and surrendering. And even just if it means like I had to do the first time, going in there and saying, Father, I, I don't remember how to do this. I don't know how to do this. And just letting him guide you. That's what he is there for. And remembering that the Lord, I remember one priest telling me, an Italian priest said, when we go to confession, the Lord is having this huge party in heaven, mm-hmm. you know, and it's this celebration, really, although it doesn't feel like it when you're in there or maybe at first when you go in, it's this celebration because you've come back to the Lord and the immense amount of joy that you feel is just so worth it. Um And I think we also get, you know, as humans, when we go into this confession, we think, well, I did this because blah, blah, blah. But what I was taught, you know, by Father Albert was just name the sin, you know, and how I believe in in Hebrew tradition or for the Jews to name something was to possess it. And so to name each sin is to just say, okay, you no longer have command of me. You know, the Lord is taking command. And the other thing that I always tell my students is, you know, the wonderful thing is when we go into confession and we give these sins over to the Lord, he takes them and he dumps them in this big lake and he puts a sign that says no fishing. So that's it. We're done. You know, he can't come back to, we can't come back to that. So you're so right going into the sacrament of of reconciliation and, um, just being being simple and just bringing it all before the Lord. So often as we encounter people in the sacrament, there's this idea that we have to say every little thing or every little detail of of our sin. And, um, and it's just, it's not the case. I have a priest friend. Uh, it's a funny little saying that he has, um, but it's so, it's so true for us. He says, um, be brief, so name the sin. Be bold. Those ones that, you know, you'd rather not say, just say them and probably say them right in the beginning and be gone. <laughs> be brief, be, be bold and be gone. Yeah. Um, the Lord is waiting there. We come in with our sinfulness and, and the Lord looks into our heart and he sees our goodness. And that's why he's always so willing to give us an opportunity to, to begin again. But yeah, the, the Lord is just waiting there. Uh, just to show us his mercy and also too to fill us with his grace to yes. to to strengthen us because those temptations they're going to come our way again and we we just have to remember that that God is giving us what we need to continue to to persevere and live that life of holiness that he's calling us to so too then entering into the the blessed sacrament chapel for the first time so so father albert had told you to just go in there and to pray and, and something Something beautiful, something profound happened there. Do you remember what your prayer was like that day? Yeah, it was, uh, again, this um, simplicity. Um, I don't really think I had, like, a prayer in words. Mm -hmm. It was more just like this surrender, Mm. kind of just... um, as a child who's just agitated or um, having a meltdown, you know, and then they just come into their mother's arms and kind of just, uh, 
You know, oftentimes my daughter does this where she's just, ugh. and I just grab her and I hug her and she kind of just melts in my arms. I think it was more that. But again, um, it was this this desire and this, um, finally I had had the courage or I was given the grace um, to have the courage to say, Lord, your will be done. Lord, your will be done. And then the things that began to happen, I mean, just uh, the adventure began. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful in that, again, when so often when we, we approach uh, devotions or the blessed sacrament to pray, we feel as though we have to go in and have to know how we're going to fill up all this time. And sometimes there are distractions that come, no doubt. But I think it's so beautiful in the fact that in in this uh, encounter that you had, it was the Lord taking the initiative here. It was uh, He who was speaking to your heart. Mm-hmm. And and so often that's, that's all that adoration needs to be, yeah. is just allowing the Lord to speak to your heart in, in whatever way that He wants. So, uh, yeah, praise God for that that yeah. moment, and then those, uh, just the desire in your heart to want to return again and again and again. Yes, He's the desire of every longing heart. So. Yes. So I want to get into the adventure and yeah. what happens next. Get, what started to change as you spent more and more time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, and um, you know, were guided with, by Father Albert, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, kind of reunited to Jesus. What started to change in your life? So basically, this love started to grow um, deeper and deeper, and I wanted to know Jesus more. And I was sure I wanted to study theology. Um, my first degree is in design, so it had nothing to do with you know uh, theology. And I started to look into programs um, locally. And then um, Holy Spirit again, I was on a trip to New York to meet a, a lay community that offered some programs abroad in Rome. I had a great love for Italy and I was dying to go there. So I heard about this program and the day I was there to interview for this one particular program, uh, someone literally randomly came up to me and said, hey, did you know that um, they also offer, this community offers a uh, master's in theology? Now what I haven't mentioned is I started to teach theology at a local middle school. A principal who I got to know just said, hey, the Holy Spirit is telling me I should hire you. I said, okay. And I I had been, you know, reading a lot and taking some classes through the local diocese. So, you know, I I was starting to get to know my theology, but this led to this idea to really study theology um, and to get a degree in that. So long story short, I ended up in Rome to study theology. Yeah. When did you meet your husband? Oh, that's that's a little bit later. The <laughs> Lord, uh, so w- we got married much later um, in our late 30s, but because um, I was out, you know, having this adventure mm-hmm. with Jesus, and I did discern a uh, consecrated life with this community, um, but it wasn't until I moved back um, after being in Rome, um, and I actually met my husband through Catholic Match. Yeah, that's another little story, another adventure. But basically, we met online, and he was in Italy as well. So that kind of was a, a common thread. Um, but yeah, we fell in love through through writing and through praying together on the phone because we were long distance and uh, offering our relationship to St. Joseph. What is your prayer life like with your husband today? So today, right now, concretely, we get up at five in the morning <laughs> and to, to have some silence. 
we get up at five and we each kind of pray our own devotions. Um, we pray the Angelus. So it kind of changes a lot, you know, depending on the season. Um, but typically we pray a, a rosary as a family. Um, we just finished our consecration to our Blessed Mother yesterday um, as a family. But we, we the, the rosary is pretty consistent um, as a family, but we pray, you know, sometimes we pray for one another, or kind of changes, you know, mm -hmm. depending on the kids and what's going on, all the activities. Mm -hmm. And how old are your children? 10, 8, and 4. Okay. So they're still little. And having such a profound moment mm -hmm. um, and love for the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, how do you as, as parents help to form your own children's mm -hmm. faith? or just encouraging them to go to the Lord, especially in adoration. Absolutely. Um, so adoration f with the kids has been a little bit difficult. Um, I know moms who take their kids with, our kids are very rambunctious, but we have managed for short stints, you know, to take them to adoration for about five minutes. Um, I sometimes take like little coloring books and things like that, but um, so right now, I think they're very well aware that that's Jesus in the mass, um, especially at the moment of elevation. I always, in particular, with my four-year-old, say, "Hey, that's Jesus," you know. And and our eight-year-old who's preparing for first communion, they all know of the real presence, definitely. Um, and we're constantly just affirming that and sharing with them our own experiences, especially with the ten-year-old. He's starting to get to know our testimony of how we came to the faith. Um, but I would say it's just at mass, you know, just mm -hmm. pointing out the moments. My my son serves at mass, the 10-year-old, so I always tell him how um, privileged he is to be so close to our Lord. And my daughter does this funny thing. She'll come up with me to receive communion, and then she's getting a little big, but sometimes I'll hold her in my arms, and she opens my mouth, <laughs> can I see Jesus? <laughs> And I said, well, yeah, you know, and he's going into my heart. And I said, well, he could talk to my heart, and Aww. Jesus is there. So it's just a cute little um, interaction that we have um, on Sundays. But And then we go on feast days, we'll, we'll go together to, to Mass um, as a family. And they attend a school that they will have Mass every once in a while. So it's, it's a beautiful gift that they have as well there. Well, thank you so much, Alejandra, for You're sharing welcome. your story, your beautiful witness, uh, just how Jesus has worked in your life, mm -hmm. um, the fruits of that, and um, and just the adventure he's taken you on. It's he such has. a gift to hear it, and we're so grateful that you'd be willing to share it with thank us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.